But once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. Back at it here on 88.3 WHUTs after further review. Yeah, David Man got Harris and Frank Master on the phone lines. We're getting into the NBA playoffs. I guess, David, we'll start with your winners and losers. Go ahead, David. All right, so first we're going to start off with the winners section. Obviously, the, the big winner so far, the Phoenix Suns. First NBA Finals in over two decades. Really 28, 28 kind of, years to be exact. Nearly three decades, even. And obviously the big story is this being Chris Paul's first NBA Finals, kind of the consummate professional Everyone was saying, is this going to, you know, this is the end, this is the last thing that Chris Paul needed to do to really cement what has really been a borderline Hall of Fame career, depending on who talks to you. What? what, what? Borderline? Where? No, what, what, borderline. borderline. David, stop. David, stop. David, 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 David. Do we, where? Borderline. You said board, this man's been a Hall of Famer in the last, like, three years. David, where no, did you come from? Who said I'm that? Not who said that? that? Steven, who said that? I'm, I've been listening to some sports radio across the country, and some people are saying he needs to get to the finals. To which like, show is that? It. What show have you been listening to where you say he's a borderline Hall of Fame? You need to put up. You need to put a name on that, David, because that's Asa Nine, or as Stephen A. Smith says, oh, Asa Ten, Asa Eleven, Asa Twelve. David, that's ridiculous. Who is saying that? There, there are some shows. They're on the mothership. That's all I'm going to say. The mothership and some major media markets. Beam me up, Scotty, because they come on. That's what I think is a Hall of Famer, bar none. Don't tell me it was like Kendrick Perkins that said something like that. No, I mean, no, these are like radio guys. These are like ex professionals. These are like radio gas decks. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, because that. that. These aren't ex professionals. Like, pro players all agree. Chris Paul Hall of Famer. I agree, first ballot Hall of Famer. I think Chris Paul has had one, you know, heck of a career, and he deserves to be he, I mean, as one of the best point guards of our generation, best, or not. Best pure point guard, probably in the NBA of all time. You put obviously you've got Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas, and then you put Chris Paul there. There you go. There's your top three best pure point guards. Yeah, Oscar Robinson would probably be four. Some people try to put uh, Steph Curry in there. I don't think he's a pure See, point he, guard. Yeah, he's, he, a, he's a combo guard. Yeah, we had, yeah. He's a combo guard. Yeah, Jared and I had this conversation the other night. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, Jared's been coming up a lot. In the, you may yeah. have to put Jared on the show. You've been, you've been bringing him up a lot. Yeah, he says that Chris Paul's a top five point guard in league history, if yeah. not top three. Penny Hardaway could have been a top point guard if it wasn't for his knees going bad on him. But once again, David, at first I thought maybe that was one of your hot takes. I'm thinking to myself, oh. you need to go sit down and cool off, go to go to Big Daddy's oh, no. truck stop yeah. and get a give and go. <laughs> or the equivalent of that out in, around Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep yeah. going, David. I thought that was your thoughts. I'm thinking this is another LeBron, Carmelo, Anthony debate or something. But keep going. <laughs> No, so yeah, another 
another winner for me, I think, kind of regardless of if they make the finals, I think the Atlanta Hawks. I think they are they are really maturing right before our eyes. And in particular, Nate McMillan deserves a head coaching job. Like, let's just take the interim tag off. Like, he, should, he deserves to, to be the head coach of this Atlanta Hawks basketball team. Like, because what he has done in Atlanta is yeah, just... True. Is is remarkable considering that they were, I think, out of the playoffs when Lloyd Pierce got fired, and then they just totally turned it around. He's always been a, a great coach. Um, kind of lacked a little bit of talent in some spots. I mean, let's be honest. You can ask any coach. You, you, you need the right mixture of chemistry and talent to be a winner. I think some coaches in the NBA, especially some African American coaches, they just get a bad deal where they're in some bad situations. And I don't even think even Red Auerbach and, and and Phil Jackson could even fit fix those teams and Pat or, Riley yeah Riley man Riley or man. Greg Popovich Greg, yeah you see him with Greg Popovich when he's lacking talent where he's been ending up he ain't at the top of the west anymore so uh yeah he, he he's really done a, a great job uh Atlanta obviously got trick or tray ice tray whatever you want to call him Trey Young I mean just absolute superstar um if he can pull this off he'll do a good job considering that he's been out with the ankle injury I think Trey Young being out is more of a hit to Atlanta than Giannis being out, obviously, because really Milwaukee's kind of loaded with some players that if they were in different situations would be number two options or maybe number one options, depending on how trash the team is. But most definitely solid number twos. And they've got a bunch of them. You know, Drew Holiday had really a, has had a great career in Philadelphia and New Orleans. Chris Middleton has really been the number two factor. Uh, uh, Lopez, I forget it's not Robin, but uh, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. You know, he was a really, you know, early in his career, in the middle of his career, was really a solid center, a number two option for a while. So I'm not surprised what Milwaukee's doing without Giannis, but Atlanta, if you look at their roster, it's 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 poo diddly it's poo shiesty basically it's 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 not the greatest it's really who makes the the, the who stirs the drink is trey young really on that squad i mean they got nice pieces john collins nice n- nice yeah. pieces you know they got sweet lou williams yeah but he's a six man kevin kevin herter who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i i didn't even think i remember when kevin herter played at maryland i thought okay he's a decent college decent player, player right and, I didn't think he'd make it this far in the NBA. Right, yeah. They got a lot of the guys. The the, the Bondanovich kid guy. Bo- he, uh, Bogey. Bogey, yeah. He's kind of up and down. So, to be honest with you, I'm kind of even surprised the Hawks even got this far. But they've outplayed their opponents, and, and obviously the Sixers had their problems. But you know what I guess I'd like about Nate McMillan? Grizzled veteran as a player, grizzled veteran coach. He knew what weaknesses to attack. And he's been tactical about it, and that's how they've gotten here. So I, I do give him an applause for, for what he's done. Yeah, and I think kind of, as you mentioned, kind of because so often African-American coaches get the short end of the stick, it's like, here, we're giving you this, you know. Yeah, some trash bag of players. players yeah. And, like, what he's done, and a lot of people are saying, kind of, and like throwing, and particularly listening to some of the post-game press conferences, um, and as, like listening to Atlanta sports radio, some people are saying, you know, doing the, you know, playing the what if could Lloyd Pierce have done this? And I don't think he could. I think this is Nate McMillan doing a master class in a way that really, really impresses and shows that maybe he got the short end of the stick in Indiana 
kind of things go his way, but he's like a talented, good coach, and we're seeing it on display here. I think what he's done, like, I don't know if, if you know, coach of the year, but, like, certainly if you can look at, like, coach of the playoffs. No, nah, oh, coach of the off- year, I think they've already voted on it. I think yeah. one of the, it went to two different coaches. One was from the the league and one was from the press. One went to Monty Williams and one went to um, Tom Thibodeau which they were deserving of it. Obviously, you don't really go by the playoff success when it comes to Coach of the Year and MVP, so you don't look at that. But you're right. You know, that that he's done a heck of a job. Keep going. Yeah, so those, those are my two winners in particular because I really just want to get to the losers. Okay. And like, let's just start with the Brooklyn Nets. Like, good. That was, that was a glorious just defeat, like, I don't know if the a glorious gods, defeat. I mean, Kevin Durant airballing it like like that. That was turned into a meme before the post game show came on. It was. It was just. Did yeah. he have forty nine points in that game? I yeah, believe but, so. Yeah, I so mean, you're talking about an airball. The man basically came off of Achilles surgery. Missed a whole year. Come back. Two of his better, two of his teammates who are who obviously, if they're on the court, I think Brooklyn is in this um, conference finals and maybe going to the NBA finals or out. He puts them on their back. He basically hits a game tying shot to take it to overtime in Game Seven. If his feet weren't so big, may have been a game winner. And the only thing you can talk about is an air ball after the man scored forty nine points. Come on, David. That sounds like you've been hating. Well, I, I mean, I think what he, I think what David's also trying to get at is Brooklyn tried to build their super team with Durant and Kyrie and add James Harden to the mix. But the problem here was the problem. Hmm. They wanted they to, got injured. There's the problem. Yeah, and they also wanted to take too well. What led to that was taking way too many load management days, where it's like, ah, you know what? I'm just gonna take the night off. Off here, I'll take another one off here, another one here, even though I'm fine. And then it kind of ended up leading to James Harden pulling his hamstring, he couldn't play. It led to Durant having his issues and Kyrie having his, even though Kyrie's got some stuff going on between his ears. I digress. He's a Muslim now. Shout out to Hugh H Factor Ross. Remember him? We used to be on right before his jazz show. Ah, yes. He's giving them a clap, the good combo. Also, Brooklyn Nets have more drama than the Kardashians. Yeah, Let me show of... you my shocked face, Jared. He can't see your face, actually. actually. I don't well, think. if you can only see it right yeah, now. It's actually blocked by the mic. This is WXUT. But, uh, yeah, they do have a lot of drama. But at the end of the day, though, if they're all healthy, Milwaukee had no chance. Hmm. And the, I don't think the low management days had nothing to do with them getting injured, to be honest with you. Because, yeah. let's face it. You can do as much load management as you want. You're going to get a sprained ankle. I mean, you are. I mean, that those those injuries that they had, I, I think, you know, that can happen. You jump in the air, you jump, you step on someone's foot. You, you can do as much load management as you, not, you can want, but you're not going to uh, prevent from getting a sprained ankle. Hand, pull a hamstring, that's kind of on hardening, but I think they came back to bite him in the behind because he was out of shape before the season started because he wanted to get his butt out of Houston. Then he tried to get back in shape. Sometimes that's very dangerous, and I think that led to him getting a, a, a late a injury late. He tried to play and be a decoy, but he wasn't the same James Harden, even though he still had productive numbers. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, 
the injuries got him. That's what got uh, uh, Brooklyn. And to be honest with you, that's what was making lucky lucky for Milwaukee. Milwaukee is lucky to be having a chance to go to the NBA Finals because if they would have lost to Brooklyn in Game 7, Boonholzer would not be the coach right now. I can definitely yeah, and that's, that. And that's facts. Hmm? You know, Giannis would be gone. Chris Middleton. Yeah, they would have, like, blown it up. And I completely agree. I think kind of with the Brooklyn experiment, it was kind of, they were hoping, and they needed literally a perfect storm. So they literally needed the impossible because there's never been a team in the NBA that gets this far without one, at least one of their key pieces missing significant time. We've seen this throughout the NBA, and it's really been kind of the, you know, the talking point in this playoff. Like the key players going down this year surprisingly more than ever. And so I think because Brooklyn was banking on something that rarely happened, if ever, I think that's that's where I kind of have that, that. That's where I put them at the loser. Like, you guys were hoping for a miracle. And, yes, this year has been crazy, but you also have to be realistic. Because, like you said, Kyrie, you know, for all Kyrie, you know, when he's not on the floor, it's completely different. When Harden goes out, completely different. By like looking at some of the players that they have as role players that are coming off the bench. They have a recognizable name, but like we know who Blake Griffin is. We know who DeAndre Jordan is. So that's where I'm kind of looking at in terms of this Brooklyn Nets team. That's the only reason I put them as losers. Well, really, they should, should have, you should have put them as winners because Kevin Durant, with all the, the drama that was going on and – the health injuries he pretty much was carrying that team he just came up a little bit short jared did put in a question did the quick turnaround from the bubble cause all these injuries no and i want to put in a, so. a loser segment with lebron james putting out that fake news because think about it the atlanta hawks were off since last march some teams got nine months off if you were at the bottom half of the league you got nine months off then if you think about it milwaukee bucks got what knocked out in the second round by the miami heat yeah not to mention before the playoffs started back up, you got a four-month rest that actually helped LeBron James recharge to win the, the championship in the bubble. Exactly. He's yeah. hit Him and the Heat were the only teams that really possibly got affected by that, but then you had four months off, though. So you pretty much had an offseason in the middle of the season to start up and play two more months, kind of almost like an Olympic schedule, kind of, and then you got a few more months off and then started back up. Just face it, and this would probably. I hope you could have put them in the as the as the losers here. It was a face it, LeBron. You're not the same player anymore. You had Anthony Davis, who's been injury prone, and he was that's hurt not this that, year. He was hurt this year, but that had nothing to do with the bubble. Because think about it, Anthony Davis throughout his career has been injury prone. Everyone said that. Once again, he got injury prone. Unfortunately, someone rolled into your ankle, and let's face it, when you come to old age, father time, you got to heal a little bit longer. When you're older, when you get past 35. You can get a simple ankle twist. For some kids, they pop up in a couple days. When you're about 37 years old, it might take you a couple months. It's just how your body, just how it goes. You try to come back. You try to carry the team. You just ain't at that level anymore. You can't just carry a bag of rocks anymore. It's just, it's just, it's just what it is. So, no, it wasn't that. And, I mean, who else are in there? Um, the Phoenix. Phoenix got in the bubble. Did they get in the bubble? Or they had to play in? I think they were in... I think they ended up being in the play-in the last play-in. year. Yeah, and they got knocked out. So they got a whole bunch of rest. 
And then you also look at the Clippers. They got knocked out in the second round. So, you know, they got rest. They got rest, and you had the four months in between. So, if anything, you know, if if you're talking about that, why not? Why aren't the Bulls in the conference final? It should be the Hawks and the Bulls, to be honest with you, because they're the teams that had nine months off. If you're talking about all these injuries and because it was a short time frame and then this and that, then the teams that didn't make it in the bubble should be the ones that should be flourishing, shouldn't they? I mean, hypothetically, they should be flourishing if you think about it. Unless you were just perpetually bad or you were try, or you were trying to tank like the Pistons were. Right. The Pistons should be there. I mean, uh, they, they, didn't, they, they weren't asked to come to the bubble. Yeah. Even, although, to be fair... Troy Weaver was trying to make sure that they tanked, even though they weren't. They weren't just try, they weren't trying to be bad. They said, "You know what? We're gonna put our guys out here. We're gonna compete, but we're just not gonna be good enough to beat the big boys." And Jared is right. The uh, Suns did go eight and zero in the bubble, and it did did put us on notice for this year coming up. And then just adding that extra piece of Chris Paul. Uh, continue though with the losers, David. For another loser. Uh, the team that you just mentioned, the LA Clippers, again, one of these teams that they were built to really go. And again, Kawhi Leonard going down. And I guess, honestly, the more I see Paul George by himself with this Clippers team, the more I think Paul George, it looks like the Indiana Pacers when Paul George was a star. Mm-hmm. It's like him and you got a bunch of role players. And it's like, we've been through this before. Like, we've seen Paul George as the Batman. Like, he has his moments, he has his glimpses, he's going to put up his numbers. But in terms of team success, you just saw. Like, he can only only do so much. So I don't know if that's a requiem on, you know, people blasting Kawhi Leonard for the quote-unquote load management and everything, or if it's just kind of, is this, like, what is the Clippers' kind of peak? Is it getting to the second round of the playoffs? It, I mean, it's obviously, you know, if this were fits, we'd all be drunk. But, you know. I think when Knicks did make the most of their break, Jared mentioned that. Yeah, the Knicks did um, until they petered out in the playoffs. Uh, I think this is where the problem with Paul George is, is that Paul George is really a number one who can't play a number two. This happens to some players. If I was the Clippers, I like Kawhi. Paul George has shown you that he can be a number one and he needs help. So maybe you need to get him a number, an efficient number two for him. Because there's some guys in the NBA mentally, they got that number one dog in them, but then they say, you know what, you got to play the second fiddle. That can screw with them a little bit. You know, they, you know, you're not getting as many shots. There's more pressure for you to perform at certain spots of the game instead of you just going out there and free flowing. Because when you're the number one guy, you got the green light. Just chuck it. If you have a bad shooting night, shake it off. You still going to get your shots. But when you're the second guy or the third guy, it's like, okay, you're putting this role. You need to produce. If not, you're going to have the media on your ass. And if you really don't produce, somebody might come and take your spot. So, and I think that's what's, what was going on with, with Paul George. I don't think he can really be a number two. I think he has to be the number one. And, you know, being in OKC with with with. Russell Westbrook, that that was really damaging. He couldn't he couldn't deal with that. He tried to come in with Kawhi. If Kawhi is willing to become a number two, which I think he could be, because of his quiet demeanor and just let Paul George be the guy that gets the shots up, I think you'll see the Indiana Pacers. Paul, really, I really do think you'll see the Indiana Pacers. Paul George, 
if so he will he be able to one. call himself playoff P then? He actually, to be honest with you, I thought he had a great conference finals. I did. I thought he was a loser at first in the beginning of the playoffs, but as Kawhi left, he showed he can step up and fill that number one role. And Jansen, I just don't think that, he's uh, a number two guy. Jansen saying Kawhi is weak for sitting in the press box. The players are not on the bench. Yeah, yeah, that's a storyline that people have brought up as well. Is that you know what's the deal? Yeah, what's be the on deal the. With I that? mean, why? It's be not on the like bench, hockey. Support your teammates. Yeah, it's not like hockey where you know it's cold and there's not much room on the bench and you don't want to be by you know sweaty pads and stuff. But yeah, that that was an odd situation too. But if I was the Clippers and I'm looking at it. How much more are you going to get out of Kawhi Leonard? I mean, he is in his 30s, I believe. Um, and Paul George showed you a lot. If I can get him a comparable number two player, the, the, the Clippers might be better off with, with, with without Kawhi Leonard. That's just how, I mean, they actually competed against the Clippers. I mean, against the Suns. But I think the Suns had a little bit too much, especially when Chris Paul turned it into another gear in game six. He just said, you know, I'm pushing these guys over the edge. So, But yeah, I, I thought... Paul George showed himself and proved to me he probably needs to be the number one guy. You just need to get him sufficient number two. Yeah. Yeah, and then we talked we talked a little bit about it kind of when we were talking about Kawhi Leonard just kind of him being the alpha. Like, because of this quiet personality kind of being that leader, who can be the leader on the court versus off the court? And we talked about Kawhi's not built for that. So if Paul George can really become that guy and be – kind of the alpha, be the leader on the court and the sidelines, and Kawhi can be kind of how he was in San Antonio, being the number two, being that quiet, just kind of put his head down, I'm going to go to work. I think, like you said, Paul George is not, like, he still has stuff left in the tank. And I think what he showed against Phoenix showed that, hey, like you said, he can still be this guy. He can still be the guy for a team if you let him. All right, let's, let's let's wrap up the losers here so we can get to the Pistons stuff. We've got about a good eight minutes. Go ahead, David. All right, the last one, I mean, Ben Simmons. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, like, yeah, he's a loser. Like, oh, sorry. Like, now, he's not at, him personally a loser, but his game is a loser. Keep going. Like, at some point, I just felt, like, at, like it went from embarrassing to feeling sad for him. Because, then, like, everyone obviously is talking about, dude, you're 6'8", 6'10", and Trey Young is on you just dunking instead of passing. Like, my thing is, like, as a bat, like, and coming out of, you know, Abdurov um, kind of offered to, you know, get him in the gym to shoot, just work on his mentor game. Like, Derek, I just wanted to ask you, like, as a basketball coach, like, what do you say to him? Because it, 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 it's between the years. Yeah, like, I don't, like, yeah, that's something. I, as a as a coach, you can't help. You can help him try to install confidence in a player, but a lot of times, as a coach, I can teach you the skills to hopefully get the confidence. But you got to get the confidence in yourself, and you got to get over that mental roadblock. I mean, that's just something as a coach I can't really help you with. Um, and and it is between the ears. But the thing is, and, and people aren't aren't understanding this, he doesn't want to get better. I mean. Let's just be honest. He's not putting in the work because if he was putting in the work, he would be a better shooter. He knows that his weakness is free throws. Why not work on that? He's not. I mean, come on. Everyone said it. You know, he goes out and he likes to party. He likes he likes the lifestyle of the NBA. I mean, but but people saw this at LSU. Think about it. You're one of the best players in the country. You're six eight, and you can't get LSU to the NCAA tournament. Come on. Same thing exactly. with Markel Fultz. 
same thing. Washington had a losing record, and everyone was like, well, these guys are the number one picks. We're going by talent. And uh, they have since been. And the thing about it is, if you're going to get a number one draft pick, number one, this is a guy that is going to change the fortunes of the of the of the franchise and get you to be a winner. There's some guys that just and I'm and I've learned this as, as I've coached now. I think I'm going to my sixth year now. There's just some players that are talented, but the one thing that separates the talented or the star from the superstars or the talented from the stars is competing. I don't really think Ben Simmons is a competitor. I think he just plays basketball just to play basketball. He's six eight. He's good at it. And I'm gonna go out here. I'm gonna play basketball. I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna cash this check because he's known his shooting's been bad the last three or four years, and he's had opportunities to work on it. And I don't mean guys have to stop doing this as well. Stop trying to get with these trainers to to, to boost their following or boost them to get customers and stuff because it's, it's getting ridiculous. You actually get in the gym and really work on your shot. That's all you got to do. Showing me a few clips. I worked with so-and-so and we did this and this and we made some open jump shots. That's not really working on your jump shot because I don't see it in the games. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all the greats. They always came back with something different every year. Even Shaq. And Shaq wasn't really a great free throw shooter. But he actually tried to work on it. And there was times with Shaq would surprise people and make free throws in clutch situations. But with Ben Simmons, you don't see it. You see he's nervous going to the line. That just tells you he doesn't really work on it. And, and that's something that, that Philadelphia has to look into. You got you got Embiid, who can be injury prone. But at least you see there's effort from Embiid to at least be in shape, at least to be skill and talent, and he's bringing something to his game. He's steadily improved every year. While Ben Simmons has kind of been the same player the la- ever since he's been in the league. So... You got to have a want. You have a want to compete and a want to get better. As a coach, I can just all I can do is say, "Hey, here's some drills to help you out. If you want to do them, great. But I can't. If I have to pull, push and pull, and pull your teeth to be in the gym, that that tells me a lot about what kind of basketball player you want to become. And, and I've I've just learned that. Look, I offer my services. Take it or leave it. The, the ones that want to get better, they'll be knocking down your door and hitting you up all the time. Hey, when can we get in the gym? When can we get in the gym? The guys are kind of nonchalant about it and do whatever or, you know, the workout's too hard and they don't come back. That's just the way it is. And I think that's where Ben Simmons is going. I mean, he probably gets in the gym, probably doesn't really go hard. Maybe gets a few shots off and then goes home and says, man, I put in the work today. But in actuality, no, you didn't because – how are you going to be the superstar of the team and they're following you on purpose so you can miss free throws? I mean, to me, that's embarrassing. And I mean, that's a pride thing for me. I'd be like, no, 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 no. You follow me. I'm going to close this game out on you. And it'll increase your points per game total. But he probably doesn't see it that way. And, of course, he's probably going to see his way out of Philadelphia, too. Right. question is where he ends up because I'm not sure anyone wants to take on a point guard who can't shoot. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even just kind of the, like, they showed the stat line, like, not taking a single shot at, feel like, field goal attempt from the field in the fourth quarter. Like, you had a less, you know, you had single digits over an entire seven-game series in the fourth quarter. Like, that shows me that, like, you, like, in, when it comes to being in the clutch, like, you don't want to be a clutch player. Like, you don't have, like you said, you don't have that inside you. Like, for you to be, on the bench in winning time, 
And, like, it just says a lot. And then just kind of thinking about the coaching. Like, I, I know, like, by default, Doc Rivers, like, gets the stigma of, like, oh, this is Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers' fault. Like, he can't, you know, win the elimination game. Like, I kind of feel bad for Doc because, like you said, Derek, he's trying to do all he can. Like, he can't force Ben Simmons into jail. Like, we talked about it when he had to give Ben Simmons a pep talk early on in the series at halftime for him to really, like, get his button high gear. Yeah, it's not Doc Rivers' fault because – you know, you got to pull him out because you don't want him. You know, that's tough. You know, pull out a superstar, a guy who's a star, or one of your better players because he can't hit free throws, and then you put in a lesser player. He can't win with that strategy. You know, you got to have Ben Simmons in the game, but you got to take him out because they're going to follow him. You know, what do you do with that? So, it, with that, with that being said, I don't think that really the loss was Doc Rivers. You know, former players are coming at him because they got some kind of axe to grind and. And, and Jared could be right. I mean, he plays basketball to collect a check. He don't love the game. There's a lot of NBA players like that. They're talented. They're tall. They make a lot of money. But, you know, to them, basketball is a hobby. Nothing wrong with that. But some people will be feeling disappointed in them. David, we'll move on. And uh, number one pick, who should the Pistons get? Uh, I think they're going to go with Cade Cunningham. Um. I understand kind of the player comparison. Um, looking at the size, the speed, the ball passing ability, and you guys sit and we're, you know, teasing into the break. We've seen kind of a 6'8 point guard distributor kind of solid on defense but can improve. Like, we just talked about him. Like, there is that potential that he could be Ben Simmons. And so that's why when I send the text, well, D- David, I'm David here. I'm I want to stop you right here cuz you I, I know people bring up the Ben Simmons comparison, but here's the difference. Cade Cunningham can actually shoot and actually is willing to carry a team. Cuz when Ben Simmons was at LSU, he wasn't willing to carry his team. Cade Cunningham goes to Oklahoma State, which the players around him were not that good. Of course, the only reason he was there is because they hired his brother. Mm. I digress. But, I mean, against, like, the the Kansases and the Baylors and the upper echelon of the Big 12, he was the reason why they were in those games. I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and see how they did. I think it was against Baylor he ended up having a 30-point outing. Hang. And, of course, the other thing, too, is who in the NBA is gonna play defense like Baylor did? I, there's not too. I don't think there's too many NBA teams that basically run the Mark Hubbard shell drill for defense. And plus, there's to me, there's no question. Cade Cunningham, number one pick. End of story. He said the only team that he's gonna do gonna visit is the Pistons. This is pretty easy. It's just the problem. The problem is, and I heard Rico Beard mention this. Uh, on one of his podcasts, the the thing was, oh well, you know this got like Jalen Green, he might need it. It's because everyone gets prospect fatigue; they get tired of hearing like this guy is number one. It's like, oh well, we're tired, of it, so let's just throw this in here and just get our clicks and everything. 
We saw the same deal with Trevor Lawrence for crying out loud. There were people saying, oh, well, Zach Wilson, he's talking to the Jaguars too. He's moving up these boards and then it all ends up being a nothing burger. So that's why I say Cade Cunningham, end of story. Should take the Pistons all of two seconds on draft night. There you go. And also I did I will mention stuff that I've heard on the low post pod from ESPN Zach Lowe about trading number one pick, which I say, Troy Weaver, don't you dare. Said Golden State would consider packaging one of or both of their first round picks plus James Wiseman. I would not do that deal because James Wiseman really doesn't seem to fit in Golden State, although he's been injured. I don't think you've really seen enough of him. I mean, give him a full season there, see what he can do. True. And plus the Pistons already have somebody at the five in Isaiah Stewart, who made second team all rookie. Well, what about Jalen Suggs, though? I mean, somebody like your Jalen Greens and your Jalen Suggs, those are guys that are they're gonna get get you your highlight light real plays. I mean plays and stuff like that. I mean, look, I've I've seen what Jalen Suggs can do, but I don't think he is as good as Cade Cunningham. Right. Because Cunningham, he basically makes guys around him better. Mm-hmm. That's what he did at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. I mean, who else from Oklahoma State this year is going to end up, up sticking on an NBA roster? Mm-hmm. I have not seen anyone. Right. So, I mean, he's played high-level... He's played high-level D1 ball. He's played it against the tough competition. And he's kept guys in games, makes guys around him better. He can shoot 40% from three. And he's not going to just settle for a three-point shot the whole time. He's going to drive it. He's going to distribute. And let me just make this clear. Am I saying Kate Cunningham belongs at the same table as LeBron when he came in the league? No. Is he an Anthony Davis? No, but to me, he's the consensus number one. I mean, I definitely think he's kind of that Luka Doncic type of player. There, he's going to come in. He's going to fill a need, and guys around him, he's going to make better. You add him to a mix with uh, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes. If he's healthy, I hope so because he's he's pretty going to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean. He, I mean, the thing is, Cunningham can play four positions and pretty much guard all five. Uh, unless, because uh, I don't think you're going to be seeing, too, you're not going to be seeing way too many he seven foot centers. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be shutting down the Kevin Durant next season, mm-hmm. but he's he fills a need. He's a superstar player. You come in, he becomes not just the face of the Pistons, but he becomes the face of the whole Detroit sports scene. Ooh, yeah, I, I will. I'll go as far as say that because who? Because uh, who else can you say is the face of Detroit sports before Kate Cunningham comes along? Barry Sanders. Well, I'm talking like guys who are currently playing. I'm not talking like guys who have who've retired or anything like oh, that. Okay. Um, Jeremy Grant. Well, no, I'm just joking. No, I know. I know. Not I'm, saying. Not saying Jeremy, Jeremy Grant's a bad player. I think he's in Grant's a nice piece. But you throw Cunningham. Cunningham will become. You, your top guy, Grant will be your num- will basically be your number two player, and then you probably have somebody like Sadiq Bay, who I think was probably the biggest surprise this season. That is true. Yeah, he Jared, ended up making Jared Goff. 
Jared Goff, of course. Uh, Jared Goff is not going to be the face of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he said Jared Jansen said he's not not sold on Suggs. Played on the best team in college and one of the best coach teams. Raised his stock, but I guess. Oklahoma State, I mean, obviously they didn't sniff it. I mean, I, playing on a great team is great, but to, to show that he can play well even with great players. And, and also, he has a winning culture. He helped that team basically yeah. get to the, you know, and it's hard to be almost undefeated all year too. So you got to give Suck some credit there. Um, and, I, and I would like to be drafting a winner. I, I, like I said, the last few drafts, Fultz, Simmons, couldn't do nothing with their teams and their number one overall picks, and then you obviously see where Fultz is at. He's, you know, I, and, and Simmons I, is what he's doing. So I would try to go with the winner, but I think Kate Cunningham could be should be the number one pick. Yeah, and then I mean, look, I think if you put you put Kate Cunningham on, let's say a Duke, even though Duke was ass last year, or I mean, he raises him up though. Yeah, he mean he met, he makes guys around him better. I mean, if he's not even on. Oklahoma State last year. Oklahoma State doesn't even compete with Bay- the Baylor's and the Kansases and mm. and, the, and, all, and all those teams in the Big Twelve. All right, well, David gets the last word as we wrap this up. I mean, like I understand what you're saying, and I agree with all those points. But the way that you were describing Kate Cunningham and Oklahoma State, you can make the same arguments about Ben Simmons and LSU. No, kind no, you can't. Without, no, you can't. They actually without, got to the tournament. No, Oklahoma State got no, to the tournament. Without, without Ben Simmons, would LSU be like Frank just said? Like, would LSU be anything as a basketball program? He played against elite. I mean, LSU is in the SEC, so he's playing against elite competition as well. I mean, do I think? But he didn't elevate the team, like, David. He didn't elevate. Kay Cunningham actually elevated Oklahoma State. Yeah, because <laughs> and it, they play in the Big Twelve, which as we, obviously they got some good Baylor. The yeah, national Baylor champion, was the national Kansas. Champ. I mean, come on, you're not Key State. You're not. You're not facing some bums over in the Big Twelve. No, but I mean, granted, like outside of like I guess Vanderbilt basketball back then, and maybe Tennessee, like you know, I Kind of the warning. The warning for me is that kind of whenever there's a consensus number one overall, it's always eh, a little hesitancy because last, like, like I said, kind of we saw a consensus number one overall. Like they, it always always translates. So just be smart with it if you're Detroit, because like you said, this is going to define your team at least for the next four or five seasons. I remember when LeBron was the consensus number one. How'd that work out? I mean, he had to go to Miami before he won a championship in Cleveland. So, but he had, a, but he carried a bunch of a, a bag of rocks and a bag of, of of expired donuts with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 07. Don't do Drew Gordon like that. No, the way it is. <laughs> or Booby Gibson. Oh yeah, Booby Gibson. Oh my gosh, man, they, they, they just don't bring those back. So, fellas, uh, what you got going on for the 4th of July? I mean, I've already said what I'm doing. I'm David, working yeah. half day. David, what are you doing besides uh, preaching the word? Yeah, it's a work weekend for me, so everyone else gets to celebrate. Hopefully, see some fireworks, may catch a little minor league baseball here and there. Just that's, that's about it. I guess they watch major league baseball. There's nothing else on TV. That is true. As you hear the patriotic music and the fireworks going on, the fireworks are going on on Friday night. 
here in Toledo, and I believe Sylvania and Perrysburg are tonight. And I don't know if there's anything really going on in the fourth. So, uh, once again, uh, yeah, and Jared said LeBron took Booby Gibbs to the finals. But once again, David, have a good weekend and uh, preach that word, preach, on Sunday. Oh, we actually have a, uh, an athlete who has signed a deal we mentioned, Spencer Rattler. His endorsement deal is with Raising Canes. Nice. <laughs> Somewhere Jordan Strack uh, celebrates. Yes. Well, David, have a good weekend, my man. All right, see you guys. Yep. That was David, the man that got here. So you're on 88.3 WCG's after further review. And uh, Frank, another good show, man. Absolutely. And uh, we'll probably be back in a couple weeks because I'll be gone, obviously, out of town. And patriotic stuff. Once again, Frank, you said you're hanging out with Jared, or are you hanging out with um, Kent Goldsmith? I'll Kent be hanging Goldie out. Gold, I'll be hanging out with Ken on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Okay, cool. And you guys golfing? Uh, no, not this weekend. Next weekend, right? No, prob- probably going to be playing some golf in August. Oh. Yeah, for the Bedford outing at the Legacy. That's for Bedford kicking mules, right? Yeah. Raise money. Okay, nice. Does, does Jared golf? Yeah, he... Yeah, well... I was gonna actually play in his and Jordan. In the, I, in I mean the, Jordan. I, I mean I know Jared Goss. Jordan. I mean I don't know if Jordan's actually gonna be playing in this one. He he might be, but we'll we'll see what happens. We were at well, us Bedford guys were actually gonna play in the item one because they were gonna be on different dates. Well, not anymore because we need to push ours back to the twenty first of August, which is the same day as Ida's. Mm. Back to where now you're no more Benedict anymore since you're not not at Dundee anymore. Well, Frank, like I said, have a good weekend. Enjoy your rest of your fourth. I know you got to work half a day. Um, I'll be with the family, dad's barbecuing, probably go out to dinner with the mom and grandma. So it's been a presentation of 88.3 WGTs. After further review, make sure you always check us out Saturdays, 1130 to 130 on 88.3 WGT. If you miss any of the segments, just go to our uh, SoundCloud and iTunes page and also we have it on Facebook Live as well of WXUT's After Further Review for Frank and David. I'm Derek. We'll see you when you see you. Peace. We're out.